Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. For Best Actress in a Supporting Role, here are the nominees. Sally Hawkins, Blue Jasmine. Jennifer Lawrence, American Hustle. Lupita Nyong'o, 12 Years a Slave. Julia Roberts, August Osage County. June Squibb, Nebraska. And the Oscar goes to... Lupita Nyong'o. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2014 ceremony year win for Lupita Nyong'o in the supporting role. Uh, Today I am joined by a recurring guest. Last episode that he was on was Francis McDormand for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's Rob Brown. Hi, Rob. Hey, Kyle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. And I just, before we jump into this, I need to acknowledge to my Best Actress listeners, thank you so much for sticking around. I know that I haven't really been making a lot of episodes recently. I have actually just finished a tour through the Canadian Arctic. Uh, which was insane, and it was so cool. It's actually my second time going to the Arctic, and I still have not seen the Northern Lights. <laughs> Every time I go, I'm like, oh, the Northern Lights. I've never seen the Northern Lights still, and I've I've been traveling across the whole Arctic, and I never saw it, but maybe one day I will see them. You got to go again. Um, I also do want to put out a general apology for my previous episode, um, Emma Thompson uh, with Josh Murray. I recognize that there were a lot of audio problems. My mic cord uh, disconnected. Um, whenever we were recording, and then whenever I brought it into post, it sounded okay, but whenever I published it, um, I actually had heard that the audio on my mic was too fast, and then the microphone wasn't working properly. I wish there was something I could do to fix it, but, you know, it it is what it is, and I'm sorry that it sounds like that. Um, I think I need to get a Patreon service going for this podcast. I think I need to (laughs) save up some money and and buy some new equipment, because my... uh, we're, we're, we're kind of falling apart over here, but please, Best Actress listeners, just bear with me, and, and thank you for your patience. I'm, I'm sorry if the episodes have been sounding kind of crap, but I'm doing whatever I can to fix it. Okay, so 2014 Ceremony Year wins. So Best Picture went to 12 Years a Slave. Best Director went to Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity, and he actually became the first Hispanic and Mexican to win a uh, Best director oscar best actor went to matthew mcconaughey for the dallas buyers club and best actress went to kate blanchett for blue jasmine i mean what do i have to do around here for a stolen martini with a twist of lemon and best supporting actor went to jared leto for dallas buyers club and that is a win that i do not care for but that's a different podcast it's whose dick do I have to suck here for a Stoli Martini with lemon? <laughs> I always think about that scene. I haven't seen that movie, Blue Jasmine, since it came out. Hmm. And um, I can certainly see why she won. Okay. But it's definitely like a difficult movie to revisit because it's not that kind of like, you know what I'm in the mood for? A movie about like a Connecticut super rich white woman losing everything and losing her mind. Well, it's, it's advertised like, as a comedy. It's Woody Allen. And you go in, you're like, I'm going to laugh. This is Victi- Vic- 
uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, then you're like, right. this is not a comedy. No. Should I be laughing? Yeah, it's it's a little uncomfortable, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an... And I, w- I had to watch it on a plane. Mm. So going through the Arctic, I had to download everything onto my iPad and like gotcha. watch it on a plane. And I literally was like, this is a very uncomfortable plane ride watching you, Blue Jasmine. Yeah. Do you uh, do you want to start with you, uh, Blue Jasmine? Uh, that, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that would be like actually right. probably a decent place Transition to start as a jumping off point. So all of my notes here, usually I have them in my little book here, but because I was going through the Arctic, I didn't have my book. Uh, I had my iPhone. Sally Hawkins. So Sally Hawkins, I mean... Sally Hawkins, I know her from like bit parts from like a lot of British movies. Mm. And then I think this was really like the first time that I had seen her in a mm. movie um, because, well, recently she was in Spencer. Well, Shape of Water is the first thing I had heard of her in. Like, right. like this was the first time I had seen Blue Jasmine, actually. It had been recommended to me for years. Yeah. And uh, everyone's like, oh, you got to watch, you got to watch. And I'm like, Blue Jasmine, is that like a flower? Like, like what is that about? The cover art doesn't give away anything. It's just Kate Blanchett's face. It's strange. And it's an Oscar type <laughs> movie. I'm like, Kate Blanchett, an Oscar movie called Blue Jasmine. I'm like, ah, it's just going to be some. But I was. Um, I'm glad that um, I chose this year and we agreed on this one, Kyle, because like I, my eyes couldn't leave the screen when I was watching this. I was just focused on it. It's funny how you said that you watched it on a plane. I was on uh, Toronto's transit system, <laughs> downloaded it onto my phone from the Amazon Prime app. Oh, my and, God. And uh, had watched it there, which is hard for me to focus sometimes on a subway because like you don't want to get stabbed or spit on or whatnot. But <laughs> I was just so focused on this movie and I watched it during just two commutes, half one way, half the other. And I'm like, this is... A really good movie. I'm like, I'm surprised I went this long without seeing it. Um, focusing on Sally, like um, Sally plays the sister, and uh, we kind of talked about the plot already a little bit. She loses. Yeah. Kate so loses basically, everything. like very quickly, like the plot of Blue Jasmine is um, it is actually based very loosely off of uh, a real life story, but not specifically the characters, but basically a New York socialite deeply troubled and in denial arrives in San Francisco to impose upon her sister. Um, she and Sally Hawkins are sisters. Kate Blanchett and Sally Hawkins are sisters. They're adopted. So that's why they look nothing alike and have nothing in common. And she looks like a million dollars, but isn't bringing money, peace or love. And she shows up being like, oh, like I flew first class. And then Sally Hawkins is like, well, if you don't have any money, how the fuck did you... Yes. So, so that. she's uh, so Kate Blanchett is married to Alec Baldwin, who's a real estate uh, scheme guy who invests and moves money illegally around different places, and um, it's it's thought throughout the movie that Kate Blanchett had no idea that Alec Baldwin's business, her ex husband's business, was all illegal until a turn of events later on in the film. So she has everything, is at the top of the world, and then he goes to jail, gets arrested, and she loses all of it. Well, she rats all, him out. Yeah, she does alert. rat She rats him out. But uh, Loses all her furs and her diamonds and knows how to live luxuriously, but then has to go back to is it San Francisco uh, to see her sister. Yeah, they, I think they were in San Francisco. Yeah. And um, so a couple of facts about this movie. Because Woody Allen doesn't get into motivation or background of the character when he's directing actors, Kate Blanchett and Sally Hawkins got together and invented the background for the sisters' relationship. Wow. So every scene when they talked about their past, although it's vague on script and for the viewer, they both knew exactly what the sisters are talking about. 
Um, in Sophia Loren's memoir, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, My Life, the screen legend reveals that she still absorbs inspiration from other actors to enhance her own acting portrayals, saying, Recently, I was struck by the last scene in Blue Jasmine where Kate Blanchett has an expression on her face that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. That expression crept inside me, and it lies there waiting to germinate a new plant, a, n- a new flower. God, actors are insufferable. Yeah. Um, and there's and- no guns in the movie, so Alec Baldwin didn't have to shut down the set. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, <laughs> and the storyline is loosely based on the 1947 play A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Yes, I've heard that. So in the movie, Sally Hawkins is doing a very good American accent. Um, she kind of has that like Jersey sort of situation going on, even though she's living in um, San Francisco. And she is taking care of her sister, Kate Blanchett, who has been nothing but horrible to her basically her entire life, even if it is passive aggressive or not and whenever Kate Blanchett was rich she kind of was always brushing off Sally Hawkins she calls her stupid and she's basically her poor white trash sister and um uh, doesn't like her taste in men Sally Hawkins' taste in men uh, like whether it was her first husband as she had with her kids or uh, the gentleman who she meets later like both blue collar kind of tank top guys but uh, Kate Blanchett wants nothing to do with these gentlemen. In fact, the only time that Kate Blanchett shows any interest in Sally Hawkins without talking behind her back is when they said that they had come into her and her ex-husband, played by Andrew Dice Clay, uh, had come into a bit of money. They had won $200,000 from some uh, minor lottery, and uh, they were thinking about what to do with it. And Kate Blanchett kept saying, oh, my husband, he's going to give it to a real estate uh, thing in the Caribbean for you, and you're going to make a bunch of money back. And that was the only time she really sparked interest is like, oh, how can you benefit us with this dough? And it, uh, Alec Baldwin ends up losing everything, which which it's not said in the film, but it would it's probably what led to the divorce of um, uh, Sally Hawkins and her first husband. I mean, what I like about Sally Hawkins in this movie is Kate Blanchett is so unlikable. Like she really doesn't have anything redeeming about her. No. It is somewhat of a compelling story, but Sally Hawkins is necessary in this story to not only ground Kate Blanchett but also the audience watching because there's really no redeeming factor. It's Sally Hawkins that is the redeeming quality of this film. And she's kind of the person, Sally Hawkins is the insecure sister that never wants to make Jasmine feel uncomfortable. So she sacrifices herself and her own happiness to constantly accommodate Jasmine, Mm -hmm. which is just like the supporting role. Like that's exactly what she does. And you feel really bad for her. You have so much sympathy for Sally Hawkins' character, and you just feel really bad that Kate Blanchett constantly is like leading her down a path yep. that's always wrong. Like whenever she basically encourages her Sally Hawkins to have an affair with Louis C.K., yeah. which oh god, <laughs> no, that's funny. No thanks. Um, and I, it's and you would wonder like does um, does Kate Blanchett coming back into Sally Hawkins' life make her think hmm. You know, she's always disliked my taste in men. Do I want to branch out and do this thing? Because Sally was very happy cheating on her uh, fiancé with uh, Louis C.K. And the, and the fiancé was a great guy. He wasn't a an evil character, and he wanted the best for Sally Hawkins. But um, Kate Blanchett takes her sister to this party, and Sally hooks up with a gentleman there, and then turns out he's married. <laughs> but... And then goes back to uh, uh, like back to the guy she was with. But at the end of the day, they're both sisters. And as rude as uh, Kate Blanchett was to Sally Hawkins, uh, her fiance, the blue collar guy, was gonna move in. 
but that was delayed because Kate Blanchett showed up and just delaying the plans for the sister, even though they are not blood and they're not, and she's been mean to her younger sister the whole time. Sally Hawkins still sees like, I still need to take care of this family member. Well, what I find um, interesting about Sally Hawkins in this movie is that she is, um, I wouldn't say necessarily subtle, but I think that there's little things that she did on purpose to not have this big explosive performance toward Kate Blanchett. And it's really not until the last scene of the movie before she like Kate Blanchett wanders into the park and Sally Hawkins stands up for herself. She yeah. stands up for her husband and she asserts herself and throughout the entire movie that never happened. But even when she does assert herself, she doesn't do it in this like big explosive way. Mm -hmm. She does it in the way that the character would, because at the end of the day, she is, she feels as if she's the inferior sister and that's how she does it. Like she has her quote unquote explosive moment toward Kate Blanchett to stand up for herself, but she does it in sort of like a quiet yeah, way. And I'm curious what maybe uh, Woody Allen perhaps left on the cutting room floor, like where there's multiple takes where she was huge. And like, this is going to be your Oscar moment that they play, or there was a more subtlety. But I think that the one that he went with was a great pick mm-hmm. that this is how this character would do it. Like she works at a grocery store, you know, uh, she's divorced. She's got two kids and, she likes a certain certain type of guy, these blue collar guys, which there's nothing wrong with that in real life. She's like just that's just the type that she is. But I think that if Kate Blanchett had never met the Alec Baldwin character, maybe Kate Blanchett would be bagging the groceries and, and doing that too. Like, yeah, like from the same sort of beginnings. I don't know. I just like I've never really been a big fan of like Woody Allen movies. Like doing this podcast, like I've seen a lot of them now and um i didn't grow up with them really like uh, yeah i I, I did spielberg or scorsese ones and i'm sure that he's contributed to obviously like the history of film in a very significant way but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a movie that i'm just gonna like pop on they're obviously they're usually like human relationship stories with like insanely quirky characters and this is certainly an example of that um but i remember watching blue jasmine um the first time and being sort of fascinated by like, oh, like what's going to happen next? Because this woman is so crazy. Um, and I love Kate Blanchett and I fully see like why she had won the Oscar for it. But this is not really a movie. It has so many cringe, uncomfortable moments. This is not a movie that I either A, connect with, B, can relate to, or C, would ever want to like revisit again. Yeah. But I do have to say, just for Sally Hawkins, like really great accent. I love the way that she really maintained the character in those moments where she did have to be big or she did have to be small. She's the most sympathetic character of the story. Yeah. And she carries it very, very well. And I fully understand why she got this nomination. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, well, do you have anything else that you would like to add specifically to uh, No, but um, I remember in the 2000s, Ethan Hawke said at one of the Oscars for Training Day, he said that if he did his job right supporting, that Denzel would get the Oscar. And he did. And I feel like mm. Sally really, really helped Kate really get that Oscar. Like, really, really get it. Because, like, they're bounce off their chemistry as sisters ha- or non actual sisters, adopted sisters with this past. Mm-hmm. And the movie was good as well, just circling back how they, it just flips back and forward through time. 
without even telling you. There's no yeah. like a whoosh, whoosh, Scooby-Doo wash or anything. Yeah. It was just kind of, you find out details through the dialogue and then it goes back to this and it goes back. So you're finding out more about Sally Hawkins and finding out more about Kate Blanchett as they're going through. So I thought, um, yeah, I thought Sally Hawkins was great. Great accent. Again, I keep forgetting she's from the UK. Well, then again, in Shape of Water, she plays a mute, so she doesn't really say much. Yeah. But yes. I also love Kate Blanchett's like white lady voice. Hal, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I that insane yeah. voice. Yeah. Um, My house. Okay, I mean, I'm sure that I will probably revisit Blue Jasmine for this podcast again, so I'm not really going to get into facts about Cape Blanchett or mm-hmm. the character or like... Yeah, so it's about... Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. It's all about that. Sally, so yeah. n- Next episode, we'll focus more on her, but Sally Hawkins, mm-hmm. uh, good job. Solid. So, oh God. Okay, let's talk about... Oh boy, I think I know what you're gonna. Let's say. talk about June Squibb <laughs> in the movie Nebraska. Oh, I thought you were gonna talk oh, about. Oh my this. god. Okay. okay, so very quickly, um, played by Bruce Dern, Nebraska is one of those movies that you see and you think, oh god, this is one of those artsy films that the Oscars just fucking love, but the average moviegoer would be like, this is so fucking boring. Mm. And I hope I never have to see this again. And I had to. Um, very quickly, I, I, I'm i just, yeah, as an opening, I just, I fucking hate this movie. But anyway, <laughs> an aging, booze-addled father makes the trip from Montana to Nebraska with his estranged son in order to claim a million-dollar mega sweepstakes marketing prize, which obviously is not real and uh, he believes that he's won a million dollars and it's just like a road trip movie Um, and I thought that casting uh, Will Forte was it was okay. A little distracting because I just only see him as a comedian. Yeah, but I don't, he did a good job. I didn't watch him on SNL too much, or right. like that. I like I like that MacGruber movie, but MacGruber, I still kind of saw. Like I just kind of saw. Clone High. There. I only yeah. hear Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's a little distracting. But June Squibb is the matriarch of the family, and she's kind of yeah. like the quirky little Spitfire that like eventually joins mm-hmm. them on this journey. And um, this is June Squibb's first Academy Award nomination. Just yep. a couple things, a couple of facts about this movie before we get into it. So um, Bruce Stern and Will Forte were actually trapped in the car for hours and hours whenever they had to film like different scenes and different takes that they actually had to, they couldn't get out of the, the cars because of the cameras that were like strapped yeah. to the cars. So they learned how to pee in bottles. <laughs> Um, Alexander Payne cast June Squibb due to her small role in About Schmidt, About and he Schmidt. thought that she was such an underrated actress that he decided to use her. And June Squibb mentions the name Mrs. Hunsaker, the name of the character that she played in Scent of a Woman, which is which is interesting. Um, so it, this is a yeah. black and white film. It's a it's a it's a road trip movie, and June Squibb is. Um, kind of really the only fun part of the movie. Yeah, so this was actually the first time that I saw this movie as well. Now, Alexander Payne, the filmmaker, he did one called Election. He did Sideways, you know, about Schmidt. He did The the Descendants. (laughs) So this is the only film that he's made in Nebraska where he did not write the script Mm -hmm. or co-write the script. Mm -hmm. It was someone else standalone, and that shows on the screen because this is like one of the best filmmakers who can have such drama, like dramedy, kind of like, like such a great balance and mix. But this one, I just didn't feel like it was an Alexander Payne film. I do remember uh, Jane Squibb in About Schmidt. She just had a couple good lines. Now, because of the dullness sort of of this movie that you touched on, it's whenever Jane showed up, is it June? 
June's June's sorry, great. Yeah. Whenever June showed up, she stole the show with her lines. She did. She was funny. Yeah. She was this um, like they so on their way to cl- claim these sweepstakes, they have to go to the small town where Bruce Dern the lead is from, and everyone else has not left that town. It's all a bunch of old white people in Nebraska. America, small town. Who? Hey, do you remember that time when we went bowling and the and you know everyone's bringing up stories, and June Squibb just walks around saying, "Hey, the old store owner over there, yeah, that guy wanted in my pants, and that guy over there, yeah, he wanted to fuck me, but I was with your dad." And Will Ford, did, Mom, stopped it. Did everyone here want to sleep with? Yeah, yeah, of course they all did. And then just kept <laughs> <laughs> kept on uh, talking about. All. And then at one point they're at a cemetery, and she lifts up her dress to show a grave the cooch that the dead <laughs> deceased guy <laughs> could not get but yes it is a dull movie but when she shows up like every diet line she has like i'm just my eyes are on her yeah like the, the chemistry between dern and forte are is fine i guess father son but they are estranged so it's not really yeah it's just a lot of huh i'm half deaf huh yeah but then june is just bam 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 with these uh with these great lines well i mean whenever she came in I mean, a lot of this movie is... I understand that it is meant to be a comedy. I understand that there's clearly an audience for this kind of humor where it's sort of like small town, simple um, type of... You know, like, remember the two cousins, like, Tweedledee and Tweedledum? Yeah. And it's like they had all the kind of punchlines where they were just, like, they wouldn't say anything. Or the awkward silence of small town. Yeah, buzz from Home Alone. Yeah, like, social cues that are just kind of, like, everyone just sits in silence watching TV and they go, Hey, do you hear that aunt? What's her face? Hurt her leg? And they're like, what? There was a lot of repetitive dialogue, a lot of, huh? A lot yeah. of, what? A lot of that. And over and over again, it's like, I, I understand that there is an audience for this movie. I am not that audience. But it's odd because it's like they went with the black and white. This film is in black and white as well. It was made in 2013. But I'm not sure. I'm thinking why they may have done that. Um, like to seem like an old school, like you're you're there watching it with your dad and you used to grow up watching old movies with your dad. And it is like a coming of age. Sorry, it's like a like a reconnection between uh, two family members. But yeah, like I just don't know why the black and white choice happened. Well, June Squibb is kind of the most interesting part of this movie because she is the only one that seems sane. She's the only one that seems to understand where Bruce Dern is not only coming from, but she also can like verify like what he's saying because he is kind of a little off his rocker. And whenever she comes in, 45 minutes, by the way, into the movie. She doesn't join the road trip until 45 minutes yeah. into this movie. This movie easily could have been 30 minutes less. But she had really like funny lines like, I liked Rose, but God, was she a slut. Or, yeah. see what you could have had, Keith, if you didn't talk about weed all the time. And then she's like flashing yeah. a cooter because, you know. And also, while they're in this small town, everybody who f- everyone finds out that they're going to win this money. So then they all start, like a lot of people in this town start, oh, you know, like I lent you a bunch of money about 40 years ago, you know, like, oh, us and the family, we, uh, like everyone wants now a piece like, that they know Brewster is going to come into some money. And Jane, uh, sorry, Jane, June Squibb just lashes out Maybe you keep calling her family. Jane because her name was Kate and then June. So <laughs> no, I, like think, I think my own handwriting. <laughs> so then June just like, 
goes off on this family, which is, I think, her Oscar moment, which is like, he did everything for you guys. He fixed all your cars for free. He didn't ask for anything in return. And now that we're going to win a little bit, you want this, you want this. So I feel like that was her her good moment where her just calling out the whole family. Yeah, she call, she tells them, you can all go fuck yourselves. Very nice. And that's a really, that was my favorite line. And, and that's the thing is, um, that was to me the only interesting part of this movie was like the greed of the family and the way that like, comedically Tweedledee and Tweedledum would like rob Brewster and like when they leave yeah. the bar and whenever like you know the family is all having their reasons of like why they think they deserve money and then June Squim just comes in yeah. uh, Kate by the way is her name she comes in and she literally is just like keeping it real and telling everybody yeah like you can go fuck yourselves because that's not true he actually because yep. the brothers can't verify it and and they also know that uh, Bruce Stern's character never said no to anyone when it came to a help or a loan or fixing this or that so they know that he's kind of a pushover like that. So, oh, if he came into some money, he, he'll give us some if we asked. I mean, for me, her nomination here makes sense because to me, she was the only entertaining part of the movie. And I also think that, like, she was perfectly cast because she is sort of like that, like, don't forget a sweater, it's cold outside. Yeah. But she also could easily be like, you can go fuck yourself, yeah. kind of like she balances that sweet yeah. old lady and also like don't fuck with me vibes yeah. very very well um and i think that she understood the tone of the movie and i True. think that she really delivered the lines very well and i think that she was very very well cast yep um i think at the end whenever she says like he's gonna bury me at this point uh because she thinks that you know he's gonna outlive her just because he keeps going and going and yeah. going that she can't keep up with him yeah it's just everything that she says just sounds so sage and yeah. wise. And oh, yeah. You need that. She in this. knows her husband. Like yeah. She knows yeah. herself. And yep. she and I just I there was something that you said that you texted me whenever we were watching this movie and you basically said oh, yeah, that you said you were watching it. Yeah. Yeah. You you had texted me and you said that she was the only spark in the movie. And yeah. I'm just like, yeah, because mm -hmm. like. God, this movie was painful. I must have. <laughs> and what sucked is while I was watching it, my internet kept cutting out. So like, oh God, it's like it took four me, hour viewing. Oh my God. It took forever. <laughs> it took a day and off I was work. like, to the bitter end. Day off work to watch Nebraska in yeah, 2013. I will, I will get there, but this is taking forever to get to the end of this in movie. October. But we, 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 we did get there, but, but oh you know God. what though? I was going to, I was going to say this quick, uh, Kyle, like, uh, like this year that we picked, I didn't realize it while, when we agreed on it, but every actress here has another person in their film that was nominated so these are all just fantastic roles sorry that are in movies that are just all well uh, well acted like bruce Dern, he was fine in it he was just the old guy going ah, ah, ah. so i guess they threw him in there it was also an honorary oscar because he used to be like the villain in john wayne movies way back so that was just one of yeah. those hey it's a comeback like let's throw him in but uh, just looking at this whole list it's just uh the acting in all the all these films are great. Oh, it's stacked. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, well, do you have anything else that you would like to add to June Squibb? No, June. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad Alexander Payne went with her. I get her role small in about Schmidt, but yeah, I recommend uh, Alexander Payne's work, folks. It don't take Nebraska as his whole. Um, go look at Sideways and Election, especially Election. Yeah, I. Oh my God, I absolutely love Election. I think Reese Witherspoon should have been nominated yeah, for that. Oscar. Great over oh my god walk the line i hated that she won yeah. an oscar for that but anyway listen to that episode that we did that episode 
Hey, Best Actress listeners, enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, so let's talk about... Oh, this one's going to be fun. Let's talk about Jennifer Lawrence okay. in American Hustle. And whenever she was nominated for this movie, um, I remember this was at the time when people began to argue whether she was, like, the a next. serious actress and somebody that actually was, like, worth nominating. Because she had just won for Silver Linings It was the year Playbook. before. And people were like... Mm, I don't know if she deserved an Oscar for that. And some people were like, mm, I think that she did. We did that episode. We did that episode. I, I picked her for that episode. And I... Hashtag Quinanjali. Quinanjali Wallace, yeah. <laughs> and I remember for this, everyone said that the odds-on favorite was for Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle, and they said that she was more deserving of this Oscar than it was for Silver Linings. She had won the Golden Globe. She won the BAFTA. And so people were kind of like, Oh shit, like is she about to win like two years in a row? Yeah, so when you, I think that if Silver Linings didn't come out or she didn't win for Silver Linings, right. it would have been for sure. But of course, the Oscars, there's politics. And David O. Russell, the director, when you come out with two big movies back to back, because that's very rare for a filmmaker to have two Oscar movies, like right. Best Picture nominees, Best Actor and Actress nominees, like two years in a row. American Hustle came right after Silver Linings. And I think that if, again, if it was just like the Winter's Bone movie that, is it Winter's Bone? Yeah. Yeah. Like Winter's Bone that Lawrence did, and then there was no silver linings, and then this, everyone would be like, wow, this girl from Hunger Games and X-Men is the next thing. Like, let's give it to her supporting actors. 100%. And so... Very quickly, American Hustle. Con man Irving Rosenfeld engages in an affair with Sidney Prosser, which is Amy Adams, a charming con artist, and is forced by an FBI agent, Bradley Cooper, to devise an extravagant scheme to hustle corrupt politicians, including the mayor of Camden, New Jersey, as well as the mafia, while his eccentric wife, Jennifer Lawrence, is desperate for his love. And a couple quick facts about this movie, and then we'll get into Jennifer Lawrence, because obviously all of the nominees were all of the actors basically were nominated. So there's a lot to cover here, but we're just going to mostly focus on Jennifer Lawrence here, but just quick, quick couple facts. David O. Russell wrote the characters expressly with Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Jennifer Lawrence, Louis CK and Robert De Niro in mind to play them. Uh, This movie tied with the Irishman gangs of New York and true grit for the third highest number of Academy Award nominations with no wins at 10 following the turning point and the color purple at 11. 11. This is the second consecutive film directed by David O. Russell following Silver Linings Playbook to be nominated for Academy Awards in all four acting categories and all five major categories, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Screenplay, Best Screenplay. Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper were nominated for both films for each for Best Actor and Actress, respectively, for Silver Linings Playbook and Best Actor in a Supporting Role and Best Actress in a Supporting Role for this movie. 
David O. Russell developed and expanded the role of Rosalind Rosenfield, specifically for Jennifer Lawrence, who drew inspiration as well as an accent for the character from watching The Real Housewives of nice. New Jersey. Nice. Rosalind is uh, is based on Cynthia Marie Weinberg, the wife of Melvin Weinberg, who was the basis for Irving Rosenfeld, um, Christian Bale. And Jennifer Lawrence's penchant for snacking on Dorito chips on set caused her to stain and nearly ruin several dresses. The wardrobe department compensated by making several duplicate dresses for her to use throughout the production so that she would always have a clean one to wear. Ew. I'd be like, bitch, stop ruining my dresses. Doritos in a white dress. Um, so she's Christian Bale's wife in this movie. She has extreme presence. I will yep. give her that. She is definitely like the funniest part of the movie because she's always right, even when she's and, wrong. Yep. And she can never accept that she's wrong. She knows that Christian Bale is having an affair with Amy Adams, and there's really a lot for her character to play with. Yep. And she does a really, really great job. So and had she, you seen this before? And, and what Yeah, so I um, actually, like, we had a blackout in uh, during the winter of 2013 here in Toronto, and my house, so different grids were all out, but my house was blacked out. And this was day two. And it's like, well, now what do we do? So we drove to a mall in the middle of winter. And uh, this was one of the movies playing with power. So we saw American Hustle in theaters during this blackout. Because actually, we walk into this mall and it felt like we were at like a Hurricane Katrina. Like <laughs> everyone's like curled around in their blankets yeah. next to like a cell phone charger. Uh, but yeah, so we, I saw this film then. And again, uh, Christian Bale plays a con man who's having an affair with Amy Adams and Jennifer Lawrence knows but at the end of the day Jennifer Lawrence is like well he's my wife he's always going to be my wife he can have his little play with you but he's uh, sorry uh, he's my husband and he's mine until Amy Adams comes at her with a line of I think it's like like something in the bathroom it says like oh well you know yeah, he's mine weird... now or something and and then that's when I think Jennifer Lawrence realizes like fuck, I'm actually going to cry over this man and be a little emotional because before, whenever Christian Bale and Lawrence are in the same presence, like what you said, Kyle, Jennifer Lawrence just owns the show, just yeah. destroys like all these things. And even the voiceover that Christian Bale says is like, look, she's the greatest con man I ever know. Like, like she's the like the best talker, the best everything. She knows how in, to in the entire work industry, people. and he is a professional con man. So yeah, I thought Lawrence was good. Again, all her lines were fantastic. I can definitely see the Real Housewives uh, things coming out, uh, like ever. Even this stuff, like yeah, like I think they get a microwave, and then it, it catches fire because she was told not to put metal in it. Yeah, and then she did. She's like, oh, are these going to be at everyone's house? These fucking things that burn your food and catch fire and. And worth. I remember the theater laughing because it's like, yeah, we all have microwaves. <laughs> like we all have microwaves now, but yeah, Jennifer. Um, but that was the whole whole thing with her character. She's like, I'm not supposed to do something, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. And then when he's like, oh well, like you destroyed this. She's like, well, actually no, because now I taught you that yeah. you shouldn't. So you're welcome. Yeah. Like she can nice. never. She can never be wrong. No. And that I always really like that. And um, when when she first came on screen. Her Jersey accent, I'll be honest with you, it kind of came and went. But then as the movie progressed, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they shot this in the sequence or not, but at first I was kind of like, uh, like, yeah. I don't, the thing is about Jennifer Lawrence is like, she absolutely nailed this and I completely understand the praise for the role, but I just got to say like, I'm always very aware that I'm watching Jennifer Lawrence. A lot of the same, it sounded even a lot like the Silver Linings character. A certain yeah, lash like, outs I'm, talking. Yeah, yeah, like I'm there. I, she, like, I don't know if she gets, nece- I don't know if she necessarily loses herself in the role like she does in like Winter's Bone, for example, 
or even joy, really. Yeah. There's something about this role where, like, I'm very aware that I'm watching an actor named Jennifer Lawrence do an accent. Yeah. Maybe that's just a generational thing because I just she's so I I like understand yeah. yeah like exactly like it's like and and I I have things in common with her like comedically speaking the way that she like talks in interviews and stuff so True. I'm like maybe I just know her tricks I don't know but there's something about her that I, she, I don't necessarily believe the illusion a hundred percent of the mm. time. Um, but yeah, so especially compared yeah. to the other nominees in mm-hmm. this list. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, like the um, as a supporting actress, she was definitely a solid supporting role. Like she had to be there. Like even the part where they're all afraid to go talk to the banker guys, and she's like, "Wait, those guys over there at the bar? Those guys are the ones that you're all afraid to go talk to?" And then just storms over. It's like, who brought your wife? That's gonna like ruin this whole deal. But then she just like owns it, takes control. Like she's just confident at almost every moment. I think it might be though because a lot of the movie was improvised. Oh, and yeah. I guess like Christian Bale was like saying to David O. Russell, like, this is really gonna make the script like weird and stuff like that. And um I think that David O. Russell was like, no, I'm I'm not interested in stories, I'm interested in characters. Ah. So maybe because she's improving a lot, mm. maybe that hurt her a little bit or at least for me because I'm again like I'm very aware that I'm watching her yeah I don't know there's just there's something about Jennifer Lawrence in this role where (laughs) I don't I don't buy it sometimes yeah Yeah. but when she does nail it like she fucking nails it for me the scene is when she sees Amy Adams you know the uh, the mistress every time I think about this movie I always think about that scene when the she fucking look that yeah. she gives her. It's like if looks could kill, she just yeah. if flesh could melt off of your fucking face with just a look, that was the look. Every time I think about this movie, I always think about that fucking look. And she just nailed it. Yep. But then there are scenes at home when she's talking to Christian Bale where I'm just very much like, this is Jennifer Lawrence just like improving yeah, on camera right now. It's a scene or something. Yeah. yeah. Like there's still scenes yeah. that she nails and scenes that I'm not really sold mm-hmm. by. And because like these were two big movies back to back, the silver linings and this, everyone's like, okay, is this too much Jennifer Lawrence exposure? Right. Like she's everywhere. Happen. She's a huge um, like box office, like like with the Hunger Games and all that. And she's in this and she's in interviews saying things you shouldn't say in interviews about her diet or this or that, falling up the stairs, right? Like what she won. Yeah, no, 100%. I think um, though- So just maybe it would have been like a little bit uh, Jennifer Lawrence fatigue at that time. Like how everyone had Michael Sarah fatigue in like the late two thousands, but um, <laughs> yeah, right. but it was uh, but she's a great actress. I thought she was great in this. I think if Silver Linings Playbook did not exist, then, then she would have won for this because everyone would be like, "Who is this chick out of nowhere?" She's fantastic supporting actress. Okay, but just as a side note, I just have to say this is not about Jennifer Lawrence. This is about Amy Adams. Holy fuck, that fucking British accent she was, was the no. It was the. Hello, my name is Amy Adams, and well, I wasn't am that British fake now. at the end? Like, wasn't she fake? It was the it? whole. It was the whole way. It was fake, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. a British accent. It was like it was like, 
oh, I have suddenly switched into a British accent yeah, because it was this like is how a, British people speak. It was like, it was like such that Shakespeare, a fucking bad like, accent. A guy pretending to be a girl pretending to be a guy. Yeah, it's like a it was American so trying to be a British to fake a British. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if that was intentional. Yeah. I don't know if she intentionally was trying to do a horrible accent so that people were like, oh, Americans yeah. wouldn't understand the difference. Well, Russell knows his actors and I think that he would, would have like... Maybe, know, but yeah. I do know that whenever Bradley Cooper, whenever she like, she's like, listen, Listen to my voice. You're like, yeah. nothing has changed. You sound exactly the same. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? You're playing you're playing tricks with my mind because you've just completely switched accents. Yeah. What's going on? I'm like, yeah. that, it bugged me. The whole movie. They're like, it's so convincing British. Like, she was very like, hello, pip pip, cheerio. Yeah. I'm British now. You're like, no, no, no. It's funny how Louis C.K.'s in two of these. Yeah, he. This was a good year for Louis C.K. <laughs> and Benedict Cumberbatch was into at least two. Um, I really didn't get into Jennifer Lawrence in this movie until she goes to the party yeah. that she's not invited to. Yeah, she gets everything started with all of the like you know sketchy mob people that no one wants to talk to. Um, yeah. That everybody was afraid of. She's like and this, she walks over. Yep. She has this fearlessness. She's the life of the party. She has this presence. Um, the kiss where she kisses Amy Adams. And she says, you know, we're both poisonous. Like, I fear nothing, maybe, yeah. And then she kisses her. I, I don't know if I understood that But I scene. think it's that saying, like, we're part of the same. Like, if you've... No. Uh, I was, would say, but, like, as she's leaving that bathroom, there's a look on her face as she starts to cry that she grabs one of the mob guys. I think that at that time, she is the first time she shows a bit more vulnerability. Where yeah. before she didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but specifically, though, like the kiss between Amy Adams and her, I, I don't know if it was that she's just trying to demonstrate that she's also fearless or something. I don't know. I thought that was kind of because <laughs> even Amy Adams, yeah. her character is like, oh, what the fuck? And I thought that I thought that was confusing. Um, but maybe I could somebody could just message me and tell me what the hell that was supposed to mean. But yeah. there's a lot of moments in this movie that I love from her. And then there's a lot of moments in this movie where I'm just like, Left either wanting more, I'm a bit confused, or I'm just not really that impressed by. Um, and I love that the nail polish was like a symbol of their relationship, where it's like she loves it, but it also has that stink. Mm. And how there are things about Christian Bell that she loves, but then there's also things that she hates. So yeah. the nail polish was like a symbol for their love and their relationship. And then in the end, she's like, I'm over this. I don't want this anymore. I thought that was a little cheesy. Yeah, it has a bit of a, yeah, it has a, <laughs> I remember Amy's line, yeah. Um, I think there could have been a better device used instead of the nail polish. You're like a smell, like you like you're drawn to it, but there's that sour taste in your mouth or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, she comes up with a plan to fix her fuck up, and then she spins it to make it seem like it was a good thing. She always has to be right. I think that this is a great comedic performance from her, and I think that um, I can fully understand why everyone loved her in this, especially at the height of the obsession with J-Law. And you're right. This is certainly when the descent began where people, she was like overexposed yeah. and people were just kind of sick of her. And um, I think that she's kind of coming back. I think that she kind of went away for a little bit. And I think that was necessary. Cause like after joy, I think people were like, Hey, yeah. Red Raven. Yeah. Where she showed nudity. Oh, Red Sparrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Which was, not a bad movie. It was also kind of confusing. I remember the first time I watched American Hustle, 
I really thought it was the most overrated movie I'd ever seen. Did I didn't it? understand why people liked it. I loved Christian Bale and I loved Jennifer Lawrence. I didn't understand the obsession with it, especially being nominated for 10 Oscars. I was yeah. like, I feel like people just are obsessed with well, David O. Russell. Like when you have period pieces, you can always throw those costume Oscars or art direction with the cars and all that. Yeah. Oh, sure. But then this time around watching it, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. And I actually enjoyed it from start to finish where I think the first time it just, I either wasn't ready for it or it just like wasn't, a type of movie True. that I would want to watch at that time in my life. I was happy that there was electricity in that theater. Yeah, well, exactly, right? Sure, you'll watch anything. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, yeah, she, this was a, a fun role for her, and I think that she did a really great job with it. There was just some moments that I wish could have been a little bit, but again, that's maybe more on the director than it is on her, because mm. it was all improv. Yeah, um, which I didn't makes know me, that fact, yeah. Well, I wonder if it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, so it's like, Probably. did they just take all that improv Well, I think when you said that it was nominated for the top five, I think uh, it was for sure. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, in, uh, oh, was it? Perform leading, 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 directing, film That's editing. Oh, yeah, an original screenplay. That's fun. Okay. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Jennifer Lawrence's performance before we move uh, on? No, but it's a it's a solid movie, folks. We, uh, we didn't spoil any of the of the con twists or anything, so uh, check out American Hustle. Yeah, with this 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 podcast is lousy with spoilers. Yeah. Well, that one we did spoil. Yeah. Um, oh, I was about to say, so when we were looking at the best actress list, not best act uh, supporting, but best actress, and it was like Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Judy Dench, Amy Adams. I'm like, I swear, like, there was a decade where there was, like, at least two of these names in every single like best actress list, like Judy right. Dench or Blanchett or Adams or Streep. Yeah, like, there was like a decade in the two thousands to maybe twenty ten ish, where they were always there. Period. They got to get more roles for more actors. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. get more people. It's like Kate Winslet, you know, like the decade prior. Yeah, um, that's true. But Hollywood is so famous for that. They're like these are going to be their next five actresses for the next ten years. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. So let's talk about Julia Roberts in oh, August, boy. Osage County. I've never so, seen this movie before. Oh, I've seen it before. <laughs> and this one is definitely, I love a dysfunctional family yeah. story. So very quickly, a look at the lives of the strong-willed women of the Weston family whose paths have diverged until a family crisis brings them back to the Oklahoma house they grew up in and the dysfunctional woman who raised them, Meryl Streep. So a couple quick facts about this movie. While promoting her film Mirror, Mirror, Julie Roberts, uh, Julie Roberts teared up and cried in an interview while sharing the news about her acting in her first film opposite Meryl Streep, who she claimed was her favorite actress. And during initial casting, Harvey Weinstein suggested Judi Dench as Violet, who was the role that um, Meryl Streep plays, and Nicole Kidman as Barbara. Ugh. Screenwriter Tracy Letts voted against the idea, saying that the American actors saying that American actors should play the role. And I'm 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 glad that they did. Yeah, it's based on an American play that won a bunch of Tonys and all that, right? I think it won the Pulitzer Prize for uh, a play. I have yes, to Yes, that sounds about right. I have to look that up. Uh, the play was like three hours, and yeah, this film is about an hour and 40 minutes. Ooh, I don't know if I could handle three hours <laughs> yeah, of, of this movie. But uh, talking about, and obviously we're going to be focusing on Jim, uh, Julia Roberts. I was about to say Jim Carrey. Uh, talking about, because um, Jim, Jim Carrey was actually considered for the role that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so you got a lot of things. You got themes. Benedict Cumberbatch doing an American accent. Yeah. It's always hit or miss, but it was okay in this, I find. No, it was it was good. Um, but you know, you have themes of incest. You have um, yeah substance abuse. You, you have, have you have yeah. uh, under you have pedophilia, kind of. They there's kinda. yeah. So this family gathers together, folks, and. There's a dinner scene that's about 20 minutes long, where, the, all, where you get to part. know everyone. <laughs> where you get to know everyone, and Meryl Streep is just anything anyone says, just is throwing them down. I think she smokes about four cigarettes <laughs> throughout the entire thing, or one cigarette. I think she just is holding that. But like Juliette Lewis's character, um, Julia Roberts's sister, uh, uh, brings her new fiance. It's like, well, how long? How many times has he been married? And he's like, three. I knew he's been married before. Like, Meryl Streep just keeps destroying. But this is... So, I'm going to tell you that right now, folks. This is a hard movie to talk about without talking about a lot of Meryl Streep. Because she just brings it. And it's like what we said in the well, prior... Because the whole story is centered around Yeah, and Meryl it's hard. Streep, oh, basically. like, we saw Jennifer Lawrence as Jennifer Lawrence. Like, we saw... The, there was no Meryl Streep in this movie. It was the character. Uh, so, but, yeah, so talking about uh, Julia Roberts, a lot of it is reacting. A lot of part of... Act, a big part of acting is reacting to her mom with all these breakouts and rudeness and pills and learning that her aunt, her mom's sister, had an affair with her dad. So she has a half-sibling that she doesn't know about who is attracted to her full sibling sexually, which she thinks is just a cousin. They're like, yeah, sexual with cousins is normal. It's like, no, that's a half-brother of his. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was (laughs) super yummy. Yeah. But the thing is, is in this movie, you're saying that you're right. Like a lot of Julia Roberts, she really shines because she is reacting to uh, to Meryl Streep and all of the awful, terrible things that she's saying. And she is really like the center of uh, all of it. So in this, Julia Roberts, it's not the bubbly rom-com role that like you're used to seeing her in. And she obviously is no. the one who challenges Meryl on everything um, but she can also diffuse all of the situations with the family. And she's kind of the one that grounds everybody because she's the closest one to her father who kills himself. And that's kind of what ignites this entire story. But he was yes. a writer. She clearly has like writer angst and um, cynicism. And she's a very smart person. So everyone kind of goes to her for guidance because she's kind of the closest thing to her father. And, clearly, and they're all very intellectuals. They're all like poets or yeah. like they're not just like redneck o- Oklahoma. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, like, but everybody brother, has like, fucking yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how intellectual, but, it's, uh, but like everyone's very educated. Everybody has these like careers, but when you gather them all, just like maybe your family, just like maybe my family, there's just this, um, like a Thanksgiving, there's just going to be this drama. Well, she's the glue that keeps everything together. Yes, and um, she's the only spe- the only sister that really speaks up with authority and handles it well. Yep. And oh my God, the scene where with that dinner it comes to a climax, and then Meryl, she picks, she give me those fucking pills, yep. and then and she's lashes. screaming. She's like, "You don't get it." I am running things now. It's like you've yep. never seen that from Julia no. Roberts before. No, even Aaron Brockovich was just kind of, "Hey, how you doing?" But I, that was that was aggressive, and I'm glad that she got nominated for this too. I think no, for for me, like when or whenever she's like, "Eat the fish, bitch!" Like yep. zero fucks to give. <laughs> it's just amazing to watch Julia Roberts pissed off because 
you know, through the 90s and the 2000s, she was always like America's, America's sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah. So it's just nice to see that other side of her. And it's just so silly the way that America can't handle seeing certain people in certain ways. No, and it's like, like she knew her, she knows where the money is. Like she knew what demographic she had. And I think that maybe she had tried some of those artsy things in the past, but like the people didn't fill any seats. You know? So even like sleeping with the enemy, it was always like bad romance or, you know, love this. Yeah. He's like she's in a movie literally called America's Sweethearts. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. exactly, right? Yeah. And and so it's just interesting the way that America will be like, Oh, like we don't want to see her play like mean because oh that's not the way I like to see Julia Roberts. Yeah. It's it's so weird because it's like an actor should be able to play anything. Yes. But audiences will like just not go and see them yeah. if it they see their heroes in an unpleasant way. Yeah. It's so so And sometimes stupid. in their contracts, like like The Rock can't play a villain. It's in his contract. Really? <laughs> Jackie Chan couldn't play a villain. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But like when she goes, Julie Roberts confronts the doctor who's prescribing her mother and because her mother's a drug addict. Yeah. And that she confronts the doctor who is over prescribing. It's like, well, she has cancer. It's like, okay, there's a difference between yeah. like going through chemo and then like fucking just making my mom like a yeah. fucking drug addict. Yeah. And she's throwing the pill bottles at the doctor and she's like you can keep those bottles we have bags of more at home for like the medical board and like yep. your your medical license is going to be it was such an Aaron Brockovich moment yeah no <laughs> exactly I, I it's it. a um, that's the, that's the pharmaceutical company in the states like it's all for profit just keep you all it's going to cause five side effects here's five more pills for those five side effects like side effects but as a person um i it's so heartbreaking to watch Juliet Lewis as well, like always trying to be so nice to her mom, and her mom is just so awful yeah. to her, but she just keeps trying. The sisters, yeah. The relationship between all the daughters is unique to each kid. They don't have the same relationship to yeah. the mother. It's, it's all different. And then each other's relationships to each other. The only thing that grounds all of them, in, it's just Julia Roberts. Yeah. She really is the glue of the whole story. She is, yeah. yeah. And no matter how many times Meryl Streep puts down Juliette Lewis for the guy she brought or this and that, it's Juliette Lewis is still like, so mom, are you doing this? It's like, why? Like, you're not mad at your mom for you know talking to you like that? or Yeah. And she's like, we don't think you're awful. We, we love you. Yeah. You're our mother. And you're Oof. like, ugh. Like, catch some self-esteem. Yeah, but I thought Julia Roberts was really good. She's the older sister, put it, keeping it together. She realizes she's a grown-up now, you know? Obviously, that's not the first fight at that dinner scene that that whole family has had together. Uh, there's grandkids, there's... And now with the husband gone, and they're gathering again, Julia Roberts is like, okay, I've had enough. I'm grabbing these pills from you. I'm tackling you to the ground to get them. Yeah. Like, this is it. There's some some amazing acting and great relationships and great reacting. Um, but obviously, the throwing her down to the ground and screaming in Meryl Streep's face, like, that's definitely, like, the Oscar moment. Yeah. Um, I also think it was really funny that they drew the line at incest when it was brother-sister, but yeah. not cousin. They're like, oh, that's And it was wrong. first cousin. It wasn't yeah. even like, you know, some relative. It was like first cousin. Yeah, well, so people wrong. are trying to... But like, it was like, was it incest? Yeah, he was... Yeah, I tried to. That was better to cover batch. And you just know, so like the aunt, Meryl Streep's uh, like sister in the film, uh, she keeps talking down to Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, he's a grown man. Like, we all know him as an actor. But, like, he shows up at the table, and it's like, oh, we were going to put you at the kids' table, you know, stuff like that. And 
she when you find out that it's Julia Roberts' half brother because the aunt had an affair with the uh, with the father with, with Meryl Streep's husband. You're like she keeps putting him down because I think that was her mistake, mm-hmm. and she knows that that was her mistake, mm-hmm. and just keeps like, yeah, like like trying to make him lesser because of the mistake that she made and she's guilty and nobody else knows about it in the whole family until we find out and Julia Roberts finds out at the same time. I don't know. I just, I feel like um, in the movie, you know, uh, Meryl being, you know, violent and just being so awful and they keep justifying it by being like, well, she had a horrible mother too. Yeah. And so it's like this vicious cycle and then you kind of think like, okay, like then is Julia Roberts going to be like that with her daughter? Because she also has a complicated relationship with her daughter. And um, the movie had a lot of really interesting things to say about family and relationships. Generation. I, ge- yeah, generationally speaking as well. Um, marriage, um, family, like even ex- cousins, uncles. Like basically Julia Roberts was responsible for whenever she finds out that like her cousin's actually her half-brother. She's kind of the one that has to do damage control. And yeah. She's the one that kind of has to deal with it. And it's like, well, why is the, that way put on her shoulders? Yeah. And um, there's just a lot of really interesting relationships with all of the characters. And like you said before, like a lot of great reaction work. It's really nice seeing a side of Julia that's not rom-com. And Julia's husband, Ewan McGregor, in the film, had an affair with a younger woman. Right. And uh, Meryl Streep has said, like, well, it's one of the things we can't change. Like, women get uglier with age. Like, we can't change it. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. how frank she was. Oh, yeah. And I love how... No, no. I think Juliette Lewis says, oh, no, uh, women um, uh, don't get more attractive with age. No, no, no. I didn't say that we don't get more attractive. We get uglier. Yeah. <laughs> I also love she's like... She's like, uh, Elizabeth Taylor was the most beautiful woman in the world. She didn't have to wear makeup, and she wore a ton of it. Yeah. That line always stuck with me for some reason when I think about this movie. But um, August Osage County, I mean, you want to talk about a dysfunctional family like Wolf. And it feels like a play. Like, if someone didn't tell me that this was a play, I'd be like, this is a play. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Um, Dialogue. It's people talking, people yelling, people arguing. But Julia Roberts, definitely a career highlight. Yep. Um, I really loved her in this movie. She's and great. She was an amazing supporting character. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on? August Osage County. Uh, no. Okay. Let's talk about Lupita Nyong'o in 12 Years a Slave. Ooh. Patsy was the character. This is a very difficult movie to watch. It's very dark. And, um, it's tough. It gives away the ending of the title, but, you know. It won Best Picture. Um, this is based on Solomon Northup's autobiography that was first published in 1853. This is also the film du- debut of Lupita Nyong'o. And this is the first film from a black director to win Best Picture. Nice. Um, 12 Years a Slave is the story of Solomon Northups, who was a f- born a free man who was kind of tricked and kidnapped yes. into slavery into yeah. the South. And just how he kind of escaped the horrible things that the slaves had to go through in Georgia. And um, Lupita Nyong'o lives on one of the plantations that he goes to because he goes to two plantations. I love that they make Benedict Cumberpatch seem like the nice slave owner. Yeah. Um, and, he plays a fiddle. Yeah. And then... He goes uh, to Michael Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, who is awful. However, just as a side note, wow, he is 
so good in this he's movie. He's very good in the movie. He is very you believable. Hate him. You he's fucking hate him. He's a fucking asshole. Him yeah. and Sarah Paulson as the wife. Uh, oh, I, or, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Ugh. And um, so Lupita Nyong'o is basically Michael Fassbender's favorite slave, and yes. he is in love with her, but he also rapes her. At one point, he whips her back into, like, minced... Beef well, is she disgusting. she picks the most cotton every day, five hundred pounds. Yeah, and like is the number one. And the scene that you're talking about, it's a. I think it's the Oscar moment scene, of course, where she like she goes away like just to get some soap. Where she, even though she's the best working slave, she just wants a bit of dignity in herself to just be clean, mm-hmm. and just leaves her a bit to get some soap. And that's still not good enough. That Michael Fassbender, well, first he makes our lead. A whip uh, Solomon, a, a whipper, and she then he grabs the, her, yeah. and then he grabs, uh, uh, then Fastbender grabs the whip himself as the white slave owner. But it's, uh, it's like playing these types of roles. Like again, like we, like we've never seen Lupita in any other movie before. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen other nominees in other movies, so we compare their past work. But she just exploded into this movie, and when the Oscar ceremony happened, Kyle. Um, Twelve Years Slave was the only film that I had. Oh no, no, I, sorry, I had seen American Hustle, uh, but as soon as I watched Twelve Years Slave, I'm like, oh yeah, she's gonna win. Yeah, she's a supporting character. She's mm-hmm. got these big freakouts. Yeah, she came out of nowhere. And just like, oh wow, this is like this woman's great. And also, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, like, sorry, like other characters playing modern care, like people living today. Like mm-hmm. all these other stories take place in today's world. To play a like you have to play like to play a slave back in the eighteen hundreds like you have to think what would be the psychology of this character back then mm-hmm. how would they talk how mm-hmm. would they this where well, all we have is literature right when every other care every other film takes place in everyday life where you can just relate to everyday people well right? I I mean yeah. I love Lupita Nyong'o because she loses herself in the role I mean the movie Us oh yeah that. She should have been nominated for that. She should have been. She was nominated for, I think, the Screen Actors Guild Award, and I think she was nominated for the Golden Globe, too. Well, that was like Tony Collette for Hereditary, how the Academy doesn't like horror very much. But then Get Out got a lot of love, which is awesome. Yeah, right. uh, But yeah, she is great in everything. Well, Lupita Nyong'o in this movie as Patsy, um, the... The thing that I will give her so much credit to is that she's really not in a lot of scenes because you don't see her until about an hour into the movie. And then even then, you don't see her speak until she's having tea at that other plantation. And every scene that she's in, she really makes it count. And she has extreme presence and she's the one that you're focusing on. She's the most sympathetic character. She's the ultimate victim in this movie because not only is she a slave who is being like raped and beaten and repeatedly victimized by Michael Fassbender, but then Sarah Paulson, his wife, also hates her, so she'll throw like a decanter of whiskey at her head. So it's like she's just getting it from everybody, even though she is also the most successful cotton picker. So So like that, yeah, her work ethic still doesn't hide the fact that she is a black woman living on a plantation. It's the she's the most uh, heart. It's the most heartbreaking performance. It's it's very difficult to watch the whipping scene. It's very emotional. Another one that was tough is when she, um, like slaves, including Solomon, come back from uh, working on another plantation for a bit, and there's a young twelve year old black girl, and um, 
Michael Fassbender kind of picks her up and holds her and is like, hey, how are you? How you doing? Like, very super nice guy. And then it cuts to Lupita's face, who she's got one eye that's filled with blood because it's red because she had been beaten. And he's looking, and she's looking over. There's no dialogue exchange, but she's looking over at him in disgust of, like, he's now kind of grooming this next young black girl to be his next Patsy, his next favorite. No, exactly. Which was pretty... Um, which is pretty, yeah, touching. It's it's horrible. Like yeah. watching them, it's very, it's a very difficult movie to watch. It is, and she absolutely nails it. She and, does. I mean, the scene where she's begging Solomon to kill her because yeah. she can't take it anymore, and yeah. she's planned out her whole death and the desperation. Yeah, it's palpable, yeah. especially in the whipping scene. Like whenever she is like trying to say, "I had to get soap because the smell of my body makes me gag." Yeah, and the desperation in that scene, it is. It's very powerful, yep. but it's just the desperation from her character is palpable. And it's it, so intense. And Steve McQueen chose to do that all in one take. So mm. it wasn't cutting around where the audience lose focus. Like you feel like you're there. And the whole theater was like, you're just like speechless. Like your jaws on the floor for like for that scene. She is it is her film one. debut and yeah. it was a an Exactly. Amazing so debut. it was tough to be like Oh, like what else other work can we compare this to? But she knocked it out of the park, I think, uh, with this role. And um, it's a funny fact, like the writer, John Ridley, it, the movie won Best Screenplay. And when he went on stage, I believe he did not thank Steve McQueen, the director. He named everybody except for him. Oh, God. Well, and I, yeah, he was a black writer. I'm, I'm not sure how many uh, African-Americans have won Best Writing at the Oscars. But he didn't think uh, Steve McQueen. And then I think when Steve McQueen, when the movie won Best Picture, not Best Director, McQueen was up there and then chose not to uh, thank the writer as well. I think I remember there being just some drama like that. Like, I could totally be butchering it right, like oh, right no, now. Oh, no, but every, every single... something like that. Yeah, yeah every, every Oscar acceptance speech has its controversy. And yeah. this year... Um, I don't remember exactly, like, don't quote me on this, but the year, cause this is the year when Jared Leto won for best supporting actor playing a trans woman. Yeah. And like when he had his Oscar acceptance he speech, about his mom. no, he said something about how, like, he's like, I know what it's like to suffer as a trans woman or something. And oh, people I were think like, he already said gay man or something. It was yeah. something. And people were like, what? Like yeah. there, there's always controversies with these acceptance. <laughs> like when Meryl Streep won for the iron lady, she never thanked, um, Margaret Thatcher. You know, so it's like there are people, there's always, and then mm. there's always stories after where people are like, oh, shit, I, I forgot yeah. to thank so-and-so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, but I'm wondering like if there was a beef between McQueen and the writer for this film, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but I remember something about that. Um, but it's interesting because Patsy in the story, you know, I think for me, the most heartbreaking thing is obviously the whipping scene, like no question. Yes. But then also in the end, whenever um, Solomon leaves Patsy behind yeah. and she has to say bye to him. And when yeah. he leaves her behind, you're like, oh, my God, because like She's he knows there. that what's going to continue. Yeah. And there's nothing he can do about it. It's nope. like he just has to get out for himself. Yep. That was a heartbreaking scene. And, um, and there's a scene as well when he gets kidnapped because, again, he's a black free man and gets kidnapped by a bunch of slave traders. I think they're called. Yeah, like slave traders to be sold. And he's in this jail prison cell and he's yelling out for help uh, through the window. And nobody can hear him. And the camera pans up and you see the Capitol building of the United States, which is where the laws are made to keep people free and and, and it's about freedom, but it's just a symbolism just to say, like, as a black man in that time, you are not free. You have like no The power. same laws yeah. do not apply to you. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, so I just thought, I thought that was an interesting shot. Yeah, the, the oh, there was, was yeah. the movie is very well done. <laughs> yes, and, um, and upon rewatching did, it, I I noticed a lot a lot more details. Again, I saw it ten years ago. I'm yeah, a whole different. Like even I'm a different person watching it then than now, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, very true. No, I I I really enjoyed this movie. I remember Brad Pitt was criticized as being like the savior of the movie because he cast himself in that role. It was like a cameo because he's a producer. Yeah. Well, and then he had defended himself because mm. he was like, well, I mean, yeah, he's like, but the reason why I cast myself in this movie is because we needed funding. So it's like, if you have stars in the movie, it's more likely to get made. It's true. So they, it's they, true. yeah, they, they're, they're, of course, a movie like this yeah. is going to have controversy behind it. Have but, you s- um, have you seen the uh, Have you seen the posters for Twelve Years a Slave in China? It was Italy. Was it Italy? It was Italy. Where okay, it was just... I know it's China too because it's just Fassbender's face and Brad Pitt's face, yes. like big on the poster, and then uh, Chiboba F O Four is just like small in the corner next to the font. <laughs> yeah. I think. Did you mean to say Chiwetel Ejiofor? Sorry, what did I? I don't even. <laughs> it was Corvangene of the last episode, yeah. and then this one it's Chiwetel. It took me a while. Um, but it's just yeah. But okay. It was Italy. It was yeah. it was Italy. Yeah, Brad Pitt's face can fill seats. Yeah, they were like, oh, it's, it's just a way of selling it, and um, but yeah, no, I mean, no. whatever. I I think that that one of, this movie was probably the beginning of you know Oscar so white and it was it was the year prior. So giving a right black writer for that, um, I think the song Selma won. No, no, that was a different year, but. Um, a black film for best thing, and then the Oscars so white happened, and then the year after that was uh, uh, Barry Jenkins winning for Moonlight, uh, which is I guess to be like, hey, right. forgive us, <laughs> right, right. You know, right. so then all the acting categories were of, uh, of Caucasians after after this year. Oh. Well, um, I really really love Lupita in this movie, and I think it's a fantastic screen debut, kind of iconic, especially winning an Oscar for your first role. Um, I also just love Lupita Nyong'o. I think she's just so cute. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, this is not a movie. This is a very difficult movie to watch. So it's not something that I'm like, you know what I'm in the mood for? Like 12 years of slave. Like, no. Um, got a party. It's a very powerful film and yes. a very powerful performance. It's like those Hotel Rwanda, Schiller's List, Amistad. Yeah, yeah. Like they, the movies do exist. There were times in history where people were terrible. But it's not cinema that you always want to throw on. Yeah. You can throw it on for teaching or learning or uh, or an awesome podcast. Yeah, or an awesome <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Lupita Nyong'o's performance before we select who we think the Oscar should have gone to? Uh, no. Okay, so Rob Brown, you are my guest, so please reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to. Okay, so I am Rob Brown, and I think the Oscar should have gone to... Lupita Nyong'o. Okay. Uh, yes. Why? Um, so I thought that she was going to win when I saw this movie at the beginning in 2013. and then, But I hadn't seen 60% of these films. And I'm like, oh, now I'm going to go revisit all of them. Maybe my opinion has changed. And it hasn't. So I still <laughs> think that she uh, was the best one. Again, I still think playing someone in a period piece where you weren't alive during that time, I, th- I think adds some, whether it's like medieval times or... Because everyone else is just playing... Um, like everyday people, all of them were fantastic. Like all of them were absolutely great. I think my second runner might be Julia Roberts, but I'm going to go with Lupita. Okay. I love that. Okay. So I think that the Oscar should have gone to... (laughs) 
Julia Roberts for August oh. Osage County because I actually love Lupita Nyong'o so much. I fully understand why she won. I'm glad that she has her Oscar for her film debut. But I preferred her in Us, and I think uh, that she is such an insane actor with such range that we still haven't had the opportunity to really get to see. And I actually think that for Lupita, like the best is yet to come. Yeah. I think that for a supporting role, because you would even argue that Julia Roberts was almost like a lead, really, because yeah. like she can't. The whole story really centers around her, and so Lupita really is that supporting character. She made every scene count, and she had such presence. I fully understood why she won, but just. Just for a personal preference, for me, it's Julia Roberts because fucking grabbing Meryl Streep by the hair and shoving her face into the carpet and screaming, yep. I'm fucking running things now and eat yep. the fish, bitch. That is <laughs> iconic to me. That's pretty good. I always have a soft spot for Julia Roberts. And also, this is a side of Julia that I've never seen before. And she fucking knocked it out of the park. And it's a movie that I would easily rewatch, even though it's so fucking heavy and yeah. depressing. Um, where 12 Years a Slave, I don't think that I would just pop that in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, just on personal taste, it's Sure, really yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Thank you so much, Rob Brown, for being a guest. We'll have to have you back again. Where can people find you on social media? So my last name, Brown, has an E at the end. So it's Rob Brown, then the number 25, Rob Brown 25, and that is on Instagram. Okay, well, fantastic. Thank you so much for listening, Best Actress listeners, and we we'll see you next time. Thanks, Bye. Kyle. Bye, everybody. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's End.